Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer, Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the Digital Workspace inner workings. How are you? Yeah, fine and you. Good. Do you know what today is? No, what's today? It's Dune release day. Oh, is it today? Jeez. At least in the US, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm so far removed from from, t- from movies and TV and stuff that <laughs> you know I didn't realize there was a new there's a new James Bond that came out like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Yeah. So you lined up to go and watch? Um, well, they're streaming out on HBO Max at 6 p.m. Uh, so starting at 6 p.m., you can start watching it. So I'm just going to watch it from home. Um, although I'm sure on the big screen, you know, the, the sandworms and everything would be very cool. But yeah, with the convenience. You know, with, with, when you have young kids, the thought of going to a movie is, is more like an, you know, a, a real adventure because the kids are going to be looked after and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, at least till they are both old enough to to listen to loud, volume sounds and, and watch some of this stuff. So everything for us is at home on the TV. So um, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> you know, in the end, you're consuming it one way or another. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited about that finally after more than a year yeah well you know there's so many movies that have been delayed um you know dune is one i think james bond was delayed a year i think um top gun 2 was delayed um so i don't know when that's coming out so so yeah, uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how streaming takes over from from cinema. Because I think mm-hmm. uh, I think Black Widow was was also only um, was only released on Disney. It wasn't actually released on um, in cinema. I know there's concern with Dune that you know if it doesn't get the um, you know, if it doesn't get the numbers because people are watching it from home, although they said they're going to count the, um, streams towards the, you know, that, that contributes to how they're judging the performance of the film, but, um, we'll see. People are afraid they're not going to have a sequel if, um, it doesn't, do well, but apparently it's already booked for a Dune too. So, you know, I think I think this is the Netflix effect. There are so many things that probably don't deserve a sequel, but they get them anyway because the subscription pay for it. Because um, you only really need a few. You don't need everyone to like. You just need a certain you know a certain amount. I mean, there's so many series if you think back back many years ago that were cancelled because the ratings on the networks weren't high enough. But there were actually huge followings, like Stargate, for example, Stargate um, Atlantis, Stargate SG-1, and okay, SG-1 did 10 seasons. I think that was enough. 
Um, but Atlantis was cut short at five, and that could have gone on for another five easily. Uh, and the universe was only two, and that could also have gone on for another eight, 20, because that was like the, the ultimate one. Um, but because I didn't get the ratings, they were killed. Um, and then I was thinking about the other one, Mystery Science Theater 3000, which I don't know if you've ever watched. Um, it's it's a, a guy, he mocks B-grade horror movies. Um, but that was that was brought back because it was funded by a Kickstarter campaign. Um, and, and that's now being picked up by Netflix. And, and I think that's what happens. Uh, what was the other one that I was watching that I really liked uh, that was picked up by Netflix or Amazon? Uh, the expense, the expense mm. was going to be cancelled, and then it was picked up by Amazon, I think. And that's that's a really good science fiction series, um, you know. So, so I think what's going to happen all these sequels, I think they'll just keep churning them out because there's a, a willing consumer, even if it's just one. We will see. I think um, obviously it was a star-studded cast for Dune, so hopefully. Um, Hopefully it's a good one. I just watched, um, I'm going to butcher his name. Jablanski is Dune. The documentary on um, the Dune that was never made. Oh, okay. I have so, yeah, so um, I don't know if you, so you've seen the David Lynch adaptation, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, painful to watch <laughs> yes it's it's like i i really like david lynch as the director but that movie is not it i mean he didn't even want to put his name on it he put a pseudonym out um at least on some of them but um so so yeah so there was a director um who had tried to adapt dune first and he was a surrealist like very eccentric director who put out these kind of avant-garde films prior to that. And then he got the opportunity to do a new project. He was like, I want to do Dune, even though he hadn't even read the book um, at that point. So they greenlighted him to do that. And he assembled his um, team and a star-studded cast of Salvador Dali as the emperor and um Oh, who else did he have? I don't, I don't recall at this point. It's too early in the morning, but um, anyway, he sunk all of this effort and these like in, insanely creative people into, um, into this project. And they came out with this uh, kind of art book. That's like a tome of um, like a flip book almost of what the movie would be. And then he took it to the Hollywood studios and they were like, it was the seventies. It was before star Wars. And they were like, yeah, I don't think so. Basically that they didn't, you know, he was kind of this edgy, you know, art director. And they were like, we're not going to green light this, um, which was heartbreaking for him, but it's a really interesting documentary. I do you recommend, you know, watching it? And there's a lot of cool art, um, that they came up with and everything. And, um, they explain how, even though the movie was never made, it the influences bled into a lot of the other um, sci-fi fantasy stuff that has come out since. So, um, but yeah, that happened, and then later, um, because you know, because of that, the David Lynch film got made. Um, which, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Dune is one of those those epic. I don't want to say space hoppers, I guess that 
you can see it in lots of in lots of other things. Um, you know, Jupiter Ascending was a very good movie where the spice wasn't wasn't spice; it was humans. Um, but it was still a you know it's, it's the same sort of thing. You know, family versus family. You know, all the inner mm-hmm. workings. And and I would uh, you know someone that to try and do do without reading the book, I think would never do it justice because that you know the book is so complicated in a good way. Um, you know, to, to, to build the film, it requires that that sort of knowledge. He did read it, but just um, not not when he had just when he decided that he's going to make the book into a film. He had not read it at that point. Well, because there's, there's seven or eight books, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't read. I've only read one, and I'll be honest. I, I found it very difficult to read. I found the I found the English very difficult to sort of follow. Um, you know, when you've got time to read, you want to read books that are easy to read uh, or will keep you enthralled. Um, and that's why I was hoping the movie would come out because, you know, maybe, maybe the movie's a better interpretation. Yeah, we'll see. I, I started doing Messiah, which is the second one. Um, but, but yeah, I know the series kind of gets weird as it goes on. But I thought, um, you know, apart from me being super excited about finally getting to watch Dune and having that to look forward to tonight, there's a lot of talk that's been going on about the metaverse. And hmm. I thought, you know, we could essentially have a sci-fi episode. <laughs> so, you know, Dune and the metaverse don't necessarily connect, right? Because Dune's kind of post-technology. Well, you know computers are humans at that point they've evolved like past that i suppose but um yeah you know with facebook uh well everything that's been happening at facebook but then there you know the rumors or i don't know if they've officially announced anything yet but kind of changing the the name of their company to uh, parent company name like Google has with Alphabet and then um, putting a lot more focus on the idea of the metaverse. So what's your impression of all of that? So, so the first thing I, is I'd probably say that, that Facebook is changing their, their parent company name because of bad publicity. Not of because, course, yeah. Not, not because of any uh, anything else really. Um, but, but I think I mean, there, there has been a few sort of mentions of it in the, in the press the last couple of weeks, maybe even months, uh, Zuckerberg being one of them. Um, so maybe, so my understanding of the metaverse, maybe to start with that, um, this is a progression from what we currently have, and let's call this what we currently have, Web, web 2.0, maybe 2.5. Um, which is, you know, the ability to, to communicate via various apps, so WhatsApp, or, you know, pick your telegram signal, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and, and do, do, do that communication not only as text, but as voice or video um, as well. Now, the next step up for me on that, which is what I think they're trying to get to with the metaverse, is that you're now going to be able to virtually interact in a shared space. Um, and if you remember, we talked about the future of work book called Shift, I think it is, where you wake up in the morning and you're still in your pajamas and you haven't even brushed your teeth, but you put on your headset and you join the meeting in your business suit and you talk to your colleagues for a 7 a.m. meeting. Um, it's that kind of thing um, where you could, in theory, live a whole separate life in a different 
universe, and hence the meta and the verse. Um, and, you know, I was listening to something today about it, funny enough, and they were saying things like, imagine if you could live this, you know, you have a, 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 a when you join into your, your metaverse, you got a different apartment where you, where it's, it's set up a certain way, but that's because you, you're really unconstrained to how you want it to be. Um, and your constraints will be probably, if, if, you know, being Facebook, it'll probably be, you, you'd be paying for something either with your information or some sort of advertising. So you would have a, a SMEG fridge and a SMEG coffee machine and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think it's it's an inevitable step for us because we all we're all getting used to being at home and and, and and you know not traveling to places unnecessarily and and there will be a need to do some sort of face to face at least to see body language all that kind of stuff you know being able to do that virtually would be really cool and I'd probably see it, you know long term us wearing suits that would pick up body movements and, and and having sensors and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of application in that if you think about how your body temperature changes, how you how you react to things, um, and how that stuff can be picked up. Um, you know, if you think about doing a negotiation in that, that would be quite interesting. Um, the other thing that I was trying to get to, and I, and I kind of lost my train of thought on it, but the, this this connection into a, a universe, I don't think it should be owned by any company. Um, I think that should be, um, and this is with the, with the governments, and maybe we need world government, God forbid. Um, but you know, if you're going to log into Facebook, because you're going into this verse, you're going to be disconnecting from the real world. Um, there's going to have to be anchors to keep you back in the real world, and also to break you out in case you're spending too much time in there. If you look, you think some of the science fiction movies where you know, people have been stuck in the, in, in, you know, they prefer that life because it's better than their current life and, and they become these fat slobs. And I'm thinking about, um, what was that movie, uh, Wally, mm-hmm. you know, where they're living on the space stations and they, they don't walk anymore because they, they just join into, you know, the metaverse or whatever they call it there. Um, so I think it's going to be, it's, it's an interesting step, but, you know, this could be decades away from being real. Yeah, I, I was reading um, up a little bit on it last night and it seemed like 10 to 20 years away from fully realizing the tech and they were comparing sort of what we have now in the AR VR space to the um, like chunky cell phones of the 90s and that, you know, that's the kind of difference what we should expect to progress through in the next decade. Yeah, um, it's, I would almost say this is one of those areas where you don't want to be the first mover or you don't want to publicly go and say you're the first mover. So, so I find the strategy quite strange to, to go and put it out there that we're doing this metaverse stuff. Uh, I can't see the reason to, to, to be vocal about it yet. I'd rather, you know, they've had, they've had Oculus and they've had the other one for ages. Um, and those games are, and, and, and they really are games, are getting better and better, but they're still not at a, at a price point that you or me would just go and buy one tomorrow. Like you'd just go buy a phone tomorrow if you had to, um, but you're not going to buy a headset just because you feel like it. And, and I'm interested to see where, I, I almost feel like there's a stepping stone before that. And, and I'm interested to see what Apple comes out with their glasses. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're going to be about 
$300 or $400, which is not a lot of money if you're already spending a thousand bucks on a phone and 300 bucks on the headphones and all the rest of it to go and spend another 300 bucks on the glasses. And that's where AR and VR, uh, not VR, uh, AR and MR. MR um, would be would be used, um, and, I, and I'd almost see how that goes first before even talking about the metaverse. But I, what would be nice is you know we're doing this meet, we're doing this meeting obviously on, on video, um, and I've actually I think I mentioned this book to you. It's the the Bobbyverse, um, and this is where the the consciousness gets um, a guy dies and his consciousness gets put into a probe and he has to go out and, and basically save the human race by finding um a new habitable planet and and he self-replicates so he builds more bobs now hence becomes the bobbyverse but what each what each bob does to stay sane is they build themselves a virtual uh, world and inside the virtual world each one has their own sort of preferences because as they create more and more instances of themselves there's a bit of drift away from the original bob and you know that they they meet up in the virtual worlds in order to talk to each other and interact um, and over time, one or two other people switched when they die, they also pass into the virtual world and they become immortal because they are now, you know, you live as long as your backup. You know, so if you die, if, you're, if your spaceship gets blown up, you can come, you know, and you've got a backup, you can be restored into another cradle or another spaceship. Um, the reason why I bring that up is because it would be nice, you know, you and I, you know, 20,000 kilometers away from each other is just to, to, to know that we're going to be meeting to sit in your chair and I sit in my chair, and now we sit across from each other, physically, you know, virtually physical, um, which doesn't make any sense, but you can at least interact more like you're sitting and talking to each other. Obviously you can't drink coffee and, and eat food like you would a normal meal, but at least you feel like you're interacting. And, and I would like to see that happen before we get into a, a you know, maybe I think too small, um, before worrying about getting, you know, how many Facebook people there's two billion. Um, onto onto metaverse. Yeah, I mean, two thoughts, a couple of thoughts there. So, um, I know that the virtual meeting tech with like Hololens, uh, that there that some of that exists today. Obviously, it's not um, very widespread, but that kind of the. I think what's being worked on there now is the kind of quality of the hologram to get rid of some of that uncanny valley, or obviously, you know, if we had the ability to do it now, but we were very like the avatars were extremely cartoonish and almost like really bad video game design or, you know, not, not very realistic. It's, you know, it doesn't feel quite right. And then um, my other thought with the, where else could the metaverse go is just, um, you know, it all comes back to a lot of sci-fi which where these ideas have been explored a lot, but, um, just thinking about like avatar and even when that movie came out mm. and I don't know really how I, I remember there being news about this, but I don't know how big this really was, but people who were, um, basically depressed that they couldn't live in the avatar planet and that, you know, the experience that James Cameron created, people were, um, wanted that kind of like, yeah, ability to live in it. Like you, that's like you could potentially in a, a metaverse. 
Yeah, so, so now I remember what I wanted to say to you. So, so there's a physicist, and I never remember his name. He's he's well known. Uh, let me see if I can find his name. Um, I don't want to I don't want to um, bastardize it, but you know his his theory on if we ever want to travel to other planets is you know we're not going to send our biological selves. We're going to send uh, our consciousness through laser transmission or something like that. So you would you would send yourself from, from Earth to Mars, for example, as a transmission, you'd arrive there, you'd go into a physical being, and let's say for argument's sake it's an android, um, that you could walk and experience the, the immersion. Um, you know, maybe that is the way that we, we actually really do populate the, uh, the cosmos, as opposed to trying to engineer all these other problems that we have to deal with, which are, you know, radiation and, and all that kind of stuff. The other thing which these guys are sort of us into this morning was saying that and maybe this ties into to the depression thing or at least experience things in different ways is you know imagine you're two people and and you're both male but now one of you pretends to be female one of you pretends to be male and you actually live as, as different entities and you do all the things you, you know but you're actually too you know outside you're different to what you are inside and, and maybe that's, you know, you, you look at, at transgender and that sort of stuff. Maybe there are people that who could try it out being, you know, male wants to be female, female wants to be male. They can try it out in this virtual world and see how they feel about it. Because then you are going to be exposed to other real people before you actually go through, you know, multiple operations and gene therapy and, and all that sort of stuff to, to change your, your core building blocks. Um, I can't see the guy's name. It's Mitch. It's... He's a, he's a New York physicist. Sort of bug me until I find it. Yeah, yeah, that is um, interesting. The idea of it as kind of a safer place or a place where, yeah, you could explore things that you wouldn't in the real world. So, um, so the guy's name is Michio Kaku. Okay. This all, um, I've also been reading about how this all intersects with NFTs, which is kind of interesting. So yeah, yeah with, um, you know, things being digital, it's like, how do you, where is the, how do you kind of have rights to things or assign value within a virtual world? And that's where NFTs are sort of coming in, which is interesting. <laughs> if you, if you want to go as sci-fi is thinking about like your own consciousness or like ability to live on um and who would who could potentially own that but well, yeah i mean this 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 i'm referring to this book again the bobby verse actually covers a lot of this stuff so when this guy dies he's put into a uh, and then the rules on, on being put into this virtual world is you have to die um you can't because because the process of getting your consciousness out of the body would kill you anyway and when he wakes up, he he belongs to a faction, and and he basically plays the game until he's free, which is when he's now in you know hurtling through space. Um, and once he's out, he he figures out through being his you know his background is, is technology that he's got there's a couple um, booby traps in in the system that if he doesn't comply, he'll be erased. And he goes and disables all those things. And the guy that helps him when he initially wakes up has told him about all these things. So that's how he figures it out. Once he gets rid of all the booby traps, 
that, that allows him to become free and, and he basically becomes more human than he was when he was human. Um, and that's, and that's avoiding that, that, that ownership problem because, you know, I think that would be one, you know, it'd be a resource that someone would want to own and control. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know what else there is to say yet on the metaverse. I feel like, you know, and it's kind of, it's interesting some of these ideas in terms of um, having an avatar, living a different life. You know, there's games like, I think it's called Second Life. Yeah, Second Life, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of less uh, immersive experiences, but ways that people have been exploring avatars for a long time or you know it seems like ar vr mr kind of pop up in the public consciousness every once in a while and kind of fade away again so what i'm most interested to see is if you know technologies like 5g if as other you know as the infrastructure is kind of there to really popularize these things kind of how how far it goes i think i mean the advent of 5g and even the low earth, low, low earth orbit um satellite internet that, that musk is pushing out starlink i think it's called um i think the use cases there that, that are probably more interesting than the metaverse which is obviously the um social stuff is if you think about and this comes back to hilo to an extent you know, a guy on a vessel trying to repair an engine and he needs you know, subject matter expert help. And, you know, the old way would be to send pictures and an email. And I say, oh, you know, even before that would just be an email or, or, you know, some sort of radio conversation. But now if you've got, let's say, Apple Glass, just for, for an example, using 5G, you can have someone that's sitting in, an engineer that's sitting back at port connected up with the same headset, looking at what that engineer on board is looking at, and they can troubleshoot the issue together because the connectivity is there. Um, and also, you know, because of the machine learning that could be put on the edge, there could be pattern recognition there. And I'm, and I'm thinking about, you know, some safety examples, like um, I was watching a thing on Netflix, uh, it's called Bad Sport, and the guy was was transporting um, weed in the, in the ballast tanks of, of container vessels. And what happened is that there was a leak and the, and the, the um, weed started to decompose, which created methane gas. And what happened is the two um, welders that were going down to open up the, the ballast tanks to have a look were using welders that basically lit up the methane. It was an explosion and killed them. Now, if you've got the, the, the device, the Apple Glass, that also has got some sort of... Um, sensors on it for, 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 for vapor and all the rest of it, you know, the safety stuff there, which is on the edge, you know, on the edge device could also be fed back to central. So now you can say things like when you're walking down in the hole, and this happens about asphyxiation and explosions and fires now. If you're detecting that stuff with sensors, your approach, your safety approach is very different or your approach to the situation is very different than you just go walk down there with a, with a, with a flashlight and then, and, you know, you're taking, taking the risk. So I think AR and VR in that sense, would be more interesting because your VR version of that is you now take someone that's that's never been on a vessel, let's say they're in training, and you put them in that situation in VR. And I mean, some if, if you look at how good the games graphics are nowadays, you know, it's not like the old blocky sort of 
you, you know, you know, this is virtual. You can actually really be immersed in it. And I think that's far more interesting. Um, and I'm hoping to see more of that stuff coming to life. And I've seen some pretty good ones, but they're still a little bit too, um, you know, 1980s, 1990s graphics. There needs to be more 2020 graphics. Yeah, I know those those training use cases for like dangerous jobs um, is is one of the use cases that I feel like has really been, you know, you've kind of hit on the, the two main um, kind of frontline work use cases, which are the ability to augment what, uh, like that mixed reality of um, assessing situation, repairing something, and then the the virtual um, ability to train, learn a new skill, you know, learn how to fight a fire or defuse a bomb or something without any of the risk, but being able to live that situation more in a more realistic way than you would maybe through other training simulations. But the the idea of the environmental sensors and the safety there um, is, is, is interesting and uh, would be cool if the iterations of something, you know, like uh, Apple glasses or whatever uh, device comes out for that would include that as a use case. Cause I think, you know, what come the idea of like walking around and essentially being advertised to on my glasses like that doesn't appeal to me. Um, you know, basically having like Yelp in my glasses, I don't care for that, yeah. but, um, having a, you know, the ability for it to sense air quality or something like that would be, would be pretty interesting. Yeah. So the, um, I mean, you, you talk about that kind of stuff, but I actually think there is some use for that. So, and then this, this is where all these tools either, either survive or fail. And it's all about context. So I'll give you an example. And, and, and when I give this example, I, I want to bear in mind, there's a book by Kevin Kelly called the, I think it's the 15 eventualities or something. I'll find the book. But one of those things is, is, is you are going to give away some, you are going to give away your data. It's about how much data you want to give away and, and for what reasons. And the example I'm thinking of, which, which is tied to having the glasses. So you're driving in your car, you're running out of gas, and you need to fill it up. Now, in South Africa, you know, we've got loyalty systems, you know, for everything. I mean, it's, we've been doing it for, for, the long, for, for a long time. I think we, we're probably better than most countries at it. But if you, if you now put, have to put in fuel, you, you want to know where the best value for money is going to be for your fuel. Now, now obviously you're going to pay pretty much the same price wherever you go, but from a loyalty point of view, you want to know where the best bang for buck is. So for example, we, we went to, with this example, he's building on Tuesday night, we went, uh, took the kids out to go get ice cubes at the, at the local petrol stop and to put fuel in the car. And my wife's got a, a loyalty card for one of the, the um, pharmacy brands that's tied into the fuel brand. So we went to that petrol station so we get, get the points. Now, when we got there, I said to her, oh, we should have come tomorrow because tomorrow is double points day. Now, that data is, is, is freely available, you know, in the sense of the petrol station, the relationship to the pharmacy, the card, the double points, the day of the week, all that stuff's freely available. 
was not freely available is that I'm a member and what the, what the status of my fuel tank is. And what I'd love to have happen in, in the sort of sense of the glass is that when, we, when we're driving off towards it, some sort of intelligence is working out that we're going there. Or when we get there, it looks at it and says, you've got enough fuel to come back tomorrow. Come back tomorrow for double points. And that should flash on my thing because that's not advertising. That is pragmatic intelligence that I'd be happy with. But the nonsense that if, I, if I'm wearing the glasses and I walk past a shop and the shop says, oh, we have a two-for-one deal on chips, I, I don't care. Like, that, that's not useful to me. That's just that's just broadcasting. And I don't want that. I want, you know, you've got all my data. So I'm happy to give it to you, Apple, for an example. Give me useful stuff back. Um, and I'm not sure how that would work in practicality, but, but that would be cool. Maybe there'd be a mode you could switch on to say, okay, I want to know more information about this business or, you know, the context, some context about the business. Well, you could say, Hey, cause I need to put fuel in and, 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 it'll go, and, and because the car would be smart as well, it would say, Oh, well, you've got enough fuel for 55 kilometers, uh, whatever that is in miles and say it's 30 miles, um, based on, you know, it doesn't have to say based on your profile. I recommend you go tomorrow morning at seven o'clock because your calendar is free and put in fuel and you'll get double points with, with clicks, which is the van, which is the brand. And, um, you'll pay X amount per liter. And this is now currently the cheapest price for, for 95 unleaded gas. Yeah. Now that would be cool. I know, um, Tesla's do have the, uh, a lot of the, I think Tesla's on the other electric cars do help you kind of find charging stations so that I guess there's kind of a one version of that um, in the wild already that uh, they can show whether, um, you know, how, how far the way the station is, do you have the charge to get you there? And then uh, which ones are active or if there are any out of repair, um, But, but yeah, I mean, this is all very interesting, interesting stuff, very futuristic. I think the kind of technology that is, is fun to talk about because it still has a lot of, you know, the potential for a big change. And I'm not shocked that a company like Facebook would want to be the one to try and own that. I just hope they don't succeed. <laughs> Yeah, and it's a funny one because I, I, you know, I, I regularly de de debate deleting my Facebook account. And the only thing that keeps me in there is I do find some uses for it now. Um, I mean, I don't spend a lot of time on it. I think that's just a self-management thing. But I, what I am doing is wherever I've used Facebook to log into an application, I'm removing that and I'm replacing that with um, a different login um, because I, don't, I just don't trust them. And, and them as a inverted commas them. Uh, and I think that's what's coming up more and more in the press is that there's a lot of ethical issues there. Um, and also if you don't have a profile, someone else will have it for you. And that's my other concern is, is you know, fake profiles that people pretend to be me. Not that I'm that popular or famous or anything like that, but there are a lot of people that, that wouldn't think twice about me, me asking them to be friends. Um, you mm -hmm. mean various reasons and, I, and you see it often, um, on these platforms where someone, especially Facebook, where they someone say, please ignore all messages from me. I've been hacked. Um, 
and and that's why I want to control it. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't I don't want them to control too much. I think they need to be um, a little bit more heavily um, regulated. Yeah, definitely. Cool. We leave it there. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.